2: You everything you need to fight the Trump administration? This is the Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com/slash the Bill Press Show.
1: And now it turns out there was yet another person at that big Russian meeting with Donald Trump Jr. Man number eight. (laughs) The numbers keep growing, the plot thickens. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Great to see you on a Wednesday. Wednesday, July 19, can you believe it? Summer just flying by, Uh, and uh, the health care bill keeps flying by. Mitch McConnell, yep, uh, yet again, Mitch McConnell, for the third day in a row, faces defeat, and he still says, we're going to get something done. Yeah, well, I guess this will be day number four that he falls flat on his face. Good to see you. Thank you for joining us with so much to talk about. Yeah, the big news is uh, the total collapse of the, Rus- uh, the Republican Russians, Republicans hmm, sort of one and the same. Uh, the Republicans' efforts to repeal Obamacare. Uh, they've been promising it, a big campaign slogan for seven years. But of course, they never thought, "Ah, what if we were to win? What the hell would we do? Uh, became pretty obvious that they have no plan, and now they have failed at every attempt to do so, Uh, breaking their campaign promise, the whole thing collapsing, and Donald Trump inviting all the Republican senators to the White House for lunch today, I guess, so they can cry in their, or whatever, uh, (laughs) cry together uh, and lament what happened and point fingers at each other. We'll get into all of the news of the day with you. Look forward to it. Give us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, so we know what you think about the news of the day.
2: But first, this is the Full Court Press.
3: Just a couple of other stories making news. We've spent some time talking about how unpopular Donald Trump is. He has a very low approval rating. One person who is not doing as well as Donald Trump is, though, Hillary Clinton. Now I know that it doesn't no, really matter no. how yeah. people view Hillary Clinton. She's not running for office. She's not in office. But Bloomberg did do a poll that took a look at how Hillary Clinton, her reputation, is doing after the election, and she is actually doing worse than Donald Trump. Thirty-nine percent of Americans view Hillary well, Clinton. Yeah, thirty-six
1: favorably. in the. Uh, he had 36 ABC and some, poll. Yeah, thirty-six in some. Yeah, but in in, yeah.
3: in this particular poll, he was at forty-one. So uh, that she's two points lower. Two points lower than Donald Trump is where Hillary Clinton sits. Now, they did point out that in the poll, some of this has to do with the fact that she lost to Donald Trump mm-hmm. didn't run a very good campaign. But also, uh, there are still concerns that, about the fact that Democrats have not settled on the best way to approach 2018 and 2020. And they kind of point fingers at Hillary Clinton saying that, you know, she got in the way of Democrats yeah. moving forward with her campaign. So I just... No Bernie numbers in that poll, huh? Uh, you know what? I don't see any Bernie numbers in this poll. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I bet he's a numbers. lot higher than both. I bet. I would, I, would, I would bet the farm on that. Bill, you're still a Chipotle guy, right? Well, at the Baltimore Airport. Oh, Air here portal. we go. Here
4: we go. I told you. That's I right.
3: No, my... you were ride or die for the Chipotle burrito, burrito bowl. bowl. I yeah. made
1: sure this story was in the email. But, Thank you. But, you know, I have to tell you, the burrito bowl at District Taco right around the corner is, damn good. is better. It's Very pretty good. damn
3: good. Well... Chipotle had had a problem with some illnesses, and then they had some problems with some hacking, and now they've got another problem with ha- with uh, excuse me with illnesses again. There has been a number of reported illnesses, isolated to a single restaurant right here. In Sterling, Virginia, just outside of Washington D.C., the health department has been. I'm surprised it's
1: not the one on Eighth Street. You're not wrong. Right down the The worst Chipotle, the worst Chipotle of all time. The worst Chipotle in all of America. It's a disgrace.
3: Well, Chipotle stock once again took a dive yesterday following reports that they had to close that restaurant in Sterling, Virginia. Uh, The symptoms are consistent with. Norovirus. Oh, God. Which has been a problem yeah, for right. Chipotes before. Right. I just
1: want to point out: if you go to Baltimore Airport today, BWI, <laughs> I I I the <laughs> crown jewel of Chipotle's. <laughs> <back>. Go ahead. <laughs> no. If you go there, you will find in the food court, the only place where there's a line yeah. that stretches
3: like for a block is for the Chipotle. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I'm telling you. Say no more. People love it. <laughs>
2: on TV, and online. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, hello, hello. What do you say, everybody? Great to see you
1: on a Wednesday. Wednesday, July 19, here we go. The Bill Press Show with all the news of the day. From here in Washington, D.C., that's where you find us. From around the country, around the globe, lots going on, lots of news breaking, and we are on top of all of it with you and for you on The Bill Press Show. On YouTube, youtube.com slash thebillpressshow every day, of course, uh, for the next two hours. Uh, that's all repeated on our podcast, the podcast uh, you can find, of course, at billpressshow.com. Check in the podcast. Sign up for the podcast. Tell you, tell us what you think about the podcast. We're looking at you on free speech TV. How about it? Looking good out there in TV land, and coast to coast, and also out in the greater Chicago area on WCPT. Good to be with you today wherever you happen to be. Uh, Again, we are coming to you live from our nation's capital with right now a little bit of breaking news this morning. We have to start the show. is a
2: Bill Press show breaking news update. Oh my God, I don't even know
1: what we're doing Neither do I. No, no, no. You know, we had a big um, um, medical crisis yesterday uh, with one United States senator recovering from surgery, John McCain out in Arizona. They had to delay uh just just learned that there is another medical crisis in the united states senate it, uh, Senate uh Republican leader Mitch McConnell is hospitalized this morning. He is in the hospital uh he's been diagnosed with a low white vote count <laughs> yeah, a low white vote count. His doctor says if his vote count doesn't approve, he may not survive. This is this is very serious this morning. <laughs> I feel terrible for Mitch McConnell. Uh, I do too. Yeah, right. That's yeah, what happens go. when you count on those low, those white votes. That's and, it, man. <laughs> that's he got it. Couldn't put them together. No, indeed. And by the way, that, uh, thanks to uh, Andy Borowitz from the New Yorker for that little, uh, <laughs> that little breaking news. That white beef. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was how. Okay, you know everybody's. Let's get personal here, right? <laughs> everybody's got questions about what happened. Uh, over this healthcare care debacle. Here's my question. How did Mitch McConnell get the reputation for being so smart? What is that based on? I mean, this is a guy who said, remember, our number one goal is to prevent Barack Obama from getting a second term. Yeah, how did that work out? And then <laughs> after he got reelected, Mitch McConnell basically says, well, our number one goal is still to stop everything that he wants and block everything that he wants. I mean, it was just no, 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 no. He never showed any moxie. He never showed any ideas, for sure. He never showed any initiative or strategy about how to move forward. If he had, they'd have a health care plan ready instead of just a campaign slogan for seven or eight years. So this week, it has been a string of disasters. Uh, And and let's let's remind you, this week, right? Wait wait a minute. We're only in the third day of this week. I know. I know. So this week, three days, three colossal disasters on the part of Senate Republicans who control the Senate with 52 votes and control the House, of course, and the White House. Okay. So day number one, uh, Mitch McConnell uh, says, okay— well, we're going to—we got this bill um, from the House, and we're going to—this uh, is our new bill, and we're going to put it up, and we're going to get—and we just need 50 votes at least. We'd like to have 51 or 52. We'd need 50 because Mike Pence will break the tie. Uh, well, they couldn't get the votes for that. Failure, number one. So then Mitch McConnell—that that bill, uh, reminding you, which the Congressional Budget Office said— would deprive 22 million Americans of their health insurance uh, over the next 10 years. Couldn't get the votes for that because Republicans said, I'm going to vote for that. Something that's mean. In fact, President Trump, hate to call him that, President it still Trump, stings. Donald Trump <clears throat> said, called it a mean bill. All right, that's failure number one. So then Mitch McConnell says, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll redo this bill. Yeah, and and by the way, in the process, We'll make it even worse. Uh, And so they go forward. He goes forward with that. And then he says, "Okay, we're going to have a big vote on this. It's going to be so great. And uh, people are going to rally around it because we gave Ted Cruz everything he wants. Uh, And this is a vote, the second attempt to repeal and replace Obamacare. Uh, That failed spectacularly, went down. Uh, Of course, as we talked yesterday, this is how fast this thing is changing. When uh, Senator Jerry Moran and Senator Mike Lee, uh, Utah and Kansas, uh, they came out together and became the third and fourth senators who would vote against that second attempt to repeal and replace, meaning that they were down to 48 votes. They couldn't even get up to 50 for Mike Pence to break the tie. So then yesterday morning... Mitch McConnell says, "Okay, we have a new plan. All right. So but let's start with yesterday morning. This is Mitch McConnell on the floor saying, obviously, uh, we don't have the votes for this second bill, but we're still not going to give up.
4: I regret that the effort to repeal and immediately replace the failures of Obamacare will not be successful. That doesn't mean we should give up. So, he
1: says... Here he is. This is starting, announcing I was seeing this yesterday morning. All right, we'll come up with a new plan.
4: In the coming days, the Senate will take up and vote on a repeal of Obamacare combined with a stable two-year transition period as we work toward patient-centered health care.
1: Oh, so now the new plan is repeal and delay, which means repeal and replace it with nothing. Because... If you think that in two years they're going to come up with a new plan, they had seven years they came up with nothing. So the idea that you're going to count on them to deliver a new plan in two years is everybody knows it's meaningless. So uh, it's going to be repeal and delay. Uh, that's what they're saying now. And now, of course, this is yesterday morning. And, of course, this is going to work, right? I mean, because they did the same thing in 2015. There's a big difference in 2015. In 2015, Barack Obama was the president. In 2015, they could vote to repeal only with no replace. And you know why? Because they knew Obama would veto it, which he did. So they knew it was a message vote. It was a meaningless vote. It would not cost them anything vote, (laughs) right? Uh, And so they did it. So Mitch McConnell again yesterday morning. We just heard him say, "We're going to this is our new plan: repeal and delay for a couple of years." And then some senators started speaking out about this. Rob Portman from
4: uh, Ohio. If it is a bill that simply repeals, I believe that will add to more uncertainty and the potential for, you know, Ohioans to pay even higher premiums, higher deductibles.
1: Uh, Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, says, "Uh uh-uh, this is not where we ought to be going. I said in January we should not repeal without a replacement, and just an indefinite hold on this just creates more chaos and confusion. Thanks, Senator. Right. Uh, And within uh, uh, a couple of hours, three senators, one of them being Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins of Maine... And Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia said, we will not vote. I mean, they're the three who came out flatly and said, we will not vote for what Mitch McConnell wants to repeal only and delay for two years. That gets them down to 49. So one, two, three. Mitch McConnell lost one, two, three. Couldn't get even 50 votes for any one of those plans. Uh, and yesterday, so yesterday afternoon, he says, well, listen, we did this in 2015. You know, why can't we do it again now? Mitch McConnell, right, uh, where um, he says, because Trump's in the White House now. Yeah,
4: It's pretty obvious that we don't have uh, 50 members who can agree on a replacement.
1: Right. So next.
4: A majority of the Senate voted to pass the same repeal legislation back in 2015. President Obama vetoed it then. President Tump, Trump, President Trump will sign it now. <laughs> President Tump, Trump, <laughs> President, President Trump, yeah, will sign Trump. it now.
1: Yeah, but the fact is, the Republicans don't want to do it now because they are afraid that Donald Trump would sign it. And then what would happen? According, by the way, this is even worse because the twenty the, the Congressional Budget Office, when they scored the twenty fifteen plan, thirty two million Americans, thirty two million Americans would have lost their health insurance within a decade. So, in a lot of ways, on, they really improved on in twenty fifteen. If if they pa- with the twenty fifteen plan, right? To, um, well, put it this way. Again, this is the Congressional Budget Office scoring that 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 repeal and delay. Today under Obamacare, and this is one of the problems with it, by the way. There's still 10% of Americans that don't have any health insurance whatsoever. So it doesn't cover everybody, only 90%. 10% don't have health insurance. Under this repeal and delay, according to the Congressional Budget Office, 21% of Americans would be out of would have no health insurance whatsoever. So, I mean, not all Republicans are as dumb as Ted Cruz, right? Shelley Moore Capito, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman hasn't come out yet, but he would have been a, he would have been a no vote. Susan Collins, they recognize that to repeal with no replacement means you repeal the closest thing we've come to universal health care. You, 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 32 million Americans will lose their health insurance. Who are they going to blame? Not the Democrats, blame the Republicans who voted for it. Fifteen million people will lose their coverage under Medicaid. One out of every five people today, Americans today, is on Medicaid. It's colossal. Over 70 million Americans on Medicaid. And, the, and Repo- this plan would take 50, 15 million of them and cut them from the Medicaid, and those on Medicaid would, have, would be capped and there would be lower benefits. So this is what Mitch McConnell is expecting the Republicans to vote for with again, nothing to replace it. And the Republicans are just, are, are rightfully, enough of them are just saying, no way, no how. So what's Donald Trump say? He says again, let's just let, he said it yesterday. So now let's just go on and let Obamacare collapse on its own.
5: we we'll just let Obamacare fail. Uh, we're not gonna own it, I'm not gonna own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not gonna own it. We'll let Obamacare fail, and then the Democrats are going to come to us, and they're going to say, how do we fix it? How do we fix it?
1: The guy, he doesn't have a clue. Does not have a clue. First of all, Obamacare is not failing. Obamacare will not fail if they just let the thing work. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and thirdly, Democrats are not going to come to, 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 to Donald Trump and say, oh, please, let's go back to your plan to repeal Obamacare. No. No way. Can, can
6: I read a throwback tweet here from Donald Trump? Because, I love you know, throwback with, tweets. with Donald Trump, there's a tweet for everything, right? Of course. When he says something, yeah. there's a tweet for everything. Yeah. So back from the 8th of November, 2013. Leadership. Whatever happens, you're
3: responsible. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, you're responsible. <laughs> that, cor- that tweet is right and correct. Mm-hmm. That is how it works. When you're in government and you're in power and you're leading the country, you have to deal with the consequences. And it really is remarkable that we are here at this time in history that we have seen the Republicans completely screw this up to the point where they are throwing their hands up and saying, we give up. I mean— that's essentially what Trump says. Yeah, we're giving up. We're done. We're just going to stick with Obamacare and let it fail. Which who knows if it's going to fail or not, and, or what's going to happen with it. But like they're throwing their hands up; they have no idea what to do. No. And by the
1: way, uh, that that Donald Trump tweet. The fact is that Trump has been all over the place on health care. He doesn't doesn't know anything about it. But remember, he has gone from when he was a candidate saying. We're going to have the best plan. You are going to have the best health insurance <coughs> ever. Every American is going to be covered, and you're going to have the quality insurance plans that you can afford. In fact, and now to, to, going from there to now, just wanting to repeal Obamacare and replace it with nothing. I mean, two extremes, All right? Uh, thanks to NBC News for putting getting, putting together a little. Uh, Uh, A little historical montage of Donald Trump all over the place on health care.
5: You're going to have such great health (laughs) care at a tiny fraction of the cost. And it's going to be so easy. Nobody knew that health care could be so complicated. It's a complicated process, but actually it's very simple. It's called good health (laughs) care. We're going to get this passed through the Senate. I feel so confident.
1: Now, so, yeah, Donald Trump. Well,
5: it's
3: called good health care.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Uh, Dumbest yeah.
3: president of all time. Dumbest president of all time. Has no idea what health care is or how it works.
1: Right. And so he's invited all the Republican senators. Uh, but so I think the classic is that um, two nights ago he had invited all the Republican senators for dinner. Uh, well, maybe not all of them. Uh, in fact, particularly two of them were not invited, and a few others maybe said they wouldn't go. So they have this big dinner down at the White House with all these Republicans and and, and Donald Trump in the blue room. Uh, and um, according to reports from the senators who were there, Donald Trump, this is this is to plan how they're going to win the healthcare battle. Uh, all Donald Trump talked about was Paris. What a great time he had in Paris! It was so beautiful. They had a big parade. He loves parades. He was talking about all the tanks. that were in the parade and all that kind of stuff. Uh, meanwhile, Jerry Moran and Mike Lee, two senators who were either not invited or did not attend, they're up at the Capitol writing a statement saying that they cannot support the repeal and replace legislation. That They're the one who dropped the, dropped the hammer on Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. And Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell down at the White House knew absolutely nothing about it. Not only that, the president's legislative aides, whose job is to touch base with these senators every single day, several times a day. They were steering the legislation to the Senate. Mike Pence, who had been up there several days in a row talking to senators, nobody, none of them had any idea what Mike Lee and uh, Jerry Moran were up to. And so they leave the White House feeling all good about how much success they're going to have the next day. And then they get the message that two senators had dropped the bomb. Just
3: a punch in the gut.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it just shows how totally out of, you know, out of touch they are.
3: So then the question
1: is, where do they go now? Well, you know, Chuck Schumer has been saying the Democratic leader has been saying this for a long time. So is Joe Manchin. Uh, so has Angus King up from, uh, up from Maine. All the Democrats, every Democrat that we've talked to, Dick Durbin from Illinois, have said, look, you got some problems with the Ob- with Obamacare? So do we. Uh, so do we. From the beginning, we've had a lot of problems with Obamacare. All right, let's sit down and work out those out, figure out what they are, and then let's go to work on them together. Chuck Schumer uh, saying that again last night. Time to start over. It's time to move on. It's time to start over. Uh, and he says, you know, we can do something that... Uh, The American people would like to see for a change. We can work together to lower premiums.
5: We can work together to stabilize the markets. We can work together to improve the quality of health care.
1: Even the Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas, conservative Republican, uh, when asked what he thought should happen next, uh, he basically agrees with Schumer.
2: The Affordable Care Act, uh, it's got its failures and problems, uh, and we need to figure out how to uh, alter it in a way that uh, resolves those problems and still takes care of people with pre-existing conditions. This this is what's going to be
3: so interesting about the coming elections in 2018, because Republicans have spent the last several election cycles um, running on... We're gonna we're gonna fix Obamacare. We're gonna get rid of it. We're gonna replace it with a better plan. We're gonna get you taken care of. Obamacare is bad, and we've we've now reached the point where we see that they didn't have a plan this whole time. They never had a plan. They, they a, have no idea what they're doing.
1: They had a campaign slogan.
3: They had a campaign slogan. They had a campaign slogan. Yeah. And so now I think we're gonna see Democrats find their voice on health care and say Obamacare was a step in the right direction. Um, it got us out of a lot of problems, but it also didn't fix all the problems. And here's how we're going to fix the rest of it. And you know what? Democrats have proven that they can get it done. And while Obamacare isn't perfect, has helped out a lot of people. Yes. a lot of people. Yeah. So they can well, stand on that. They have that leg to stand on, where Republicans have absolutely nothing.
1: We they can nothing. say nothing. They can say we have expanded Medicaid by 15 million people. So that to the point of one out of five uh, people in this Think about that. One out of every five people you pass on the street is on Medicaid. I, that's the biggest health care program in the country. They can say that 23 million Americans now have health care for themselves and their families for the first time ever because of Obamacare. They can say because of Obamacare, insurance companies can no longer, no longer drop you because of pre-existing conditions. Uh, Insurance companies can no longer drop you because you happen to get sicker than they thought you were going to, and you've uh, cost them a little more money, maybe a lot more than they planned on. They can no longer drop you because of that, lifetime caps. They can no longer uh, kick kids off of their parents' healthcare plans when they turn 18 or whatever. Now kids can stay on until they're 26, right? And because of Obamacare, a lot of procedures preventive procedures from mammograms to colonoscopies to just annual checkups are covered without deductibles under Obamacare. So they can point to all those good things about Obamacare, and then they can look and say, you know what, yeah, but prescription drugs are still out of control. So we got to do something about that. Uh, But, you know, we're still at the mercy of these insurance companies, so let's offer a public plan option or Medicare for everybody option. Right, Uh, they can say, "Look, some of these insurance companies are taking advantage of being maybe the only one or two companies in the state, in a particular state, and raising their premiums, jacking up their premiums beyond where they should be allowed to, for just uh, normal business practices." Let's take care of that. In other words, identify those problems, fix it, fix it, mend it, don't end it. That's where we ought to be going. That's what the American people want. And this is this is the opportunity to do so uh, a couple of other items in the news here by the way, great lineup today uh, David Dale is going to join us next uh, he has uh, he's been a frequent guest on the show uh, has a great book out called Rat Eft <laughs> I love books we can't we can't actually pronounce on uh, on television. We'll get into uh, all the politics of the moment with him including the tobacco on health care and a little bit later, Randy Bryce is the man. He's the man in, he's an iron worker. He is taken on Paul Ryan out in Wisconsin's 1st Congressional District, a real hero of ours ours is going to be in. And then remember Jason Kander, he's the guy out in Missouri who almost beat Roy Blunt, Jason Kander, working now on voting rights uh, nationwide, and he's going to be in as well. So we're going to have some good opportunities uh, today, three outstanding guests a couple of other items in the news. Yes, it's revealed that um, there was a person number eight at that meeting with Donald Trump Jr. on Trump Tower on June 9, 2016. We know the meeting was held because Donald Trump released the emails. The meeting was held for the express purpose of a representative of the Kremlin coming in to provide dirt on Hillary Clinton. We know she was there. We know the publicist to set up the meeting was there. We know the translator was there. We know Donald Trump Jr. and Paul Manafort and Gerard Kushner were there. Now we find out, yes, there was an eighth person there, uh, an eighth person, don't ask me to pronounce the name, who was a representative of, (laughs) this is a classic Trump connection, the representative of the business guy who was trying to build a Trump Tower hotel (laughs) with Donald Trump, whose son is a rock star and sang in the Miss Universe pageant owned by Donald Trump in Moscow. So it all, it's all coming together, making it all the more unlikely God. that Donald Trump himself did not know about this meeting. Again, his former business partner is the guy who tells the publicist, we got to get this dirt on Hillary to Donald Trump. We'll send this attorney over there and now we know he not only sent this attorney with ties to the Kremlin to this meeting, but he sent a representative of his, his own representative to sit in on this meeting. And Donald Trump Jr. doesn't tell his father, I don't believe it. Don't no believe way. it for a second. Uh, and it's worth pointing out, by the way, which Peter Baker does on the first page of the New York Times today. Good for him. Uh, that we've, you know, we've been so focused on this uh, health care thing that Donald Trump, uh, this isn't the only Campaign promise that Donald Trump broke this week. Uh, Donald Trump did say, we're going to repeal Obamacare. That's over. That's done. They're not going to do it. They can't do it. They can't get the votes for any way to repeal Obamacare. Uh, They've admitted defeat on that. Uh, Donald Trump also said, remember, we are going to cancel that Iran nuclear deal because it's a bad deal. I could have made a better deal. It's the worst deal the United States ever made, on and on and on during the campaign Uh, this week, very quietly the Trump administration announced that they are going to keep the Iran nuclear deal because they had to admit Iran is living up to the terms of the deal. Very quietly. So, Donald Trump, Trump didn't, never made an announcement saying, I changed my mind.
3: <laughs> but that's shocking.
1: It's just <clears> worth <throat> pointing out you know, that the guy is just all hot air. Yeah. Now, yeah and and, and, and he Iran just doesn't nuclear, know what he's doing.
3: The Iran nuclear deal,
1: that was the right decision because it is working. It does put them on the sidelines of the nuclear uh, race for fifteen, at least fifteen years. But uh, so you know, if he had said it, I would have given him credit for doing the right thing. Yeah. Instead, it's just worth pointing out that everything he promised, he's not—he just doesn't know what he's doing. He's not going to deliver anything.
3: He just keeps saying things he knows he can't deliver. All them. right.
1: Yes, your comments on Twitter. Don't forget at BP Show David Daly joining us next. Uh, Rat F, the true story yep. behind the secret plan to steal America's democracy.
2: President Trump. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show.
1: On a Wednesday, July 19. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Uh, Welcome to the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, uh, where the news is happening on every front uh, as fast as we can keep up with it. Coming to you live from Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol Building, um, and brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees, good men and women of the FJAFGE, sorry, under President J. David Hux, they get up to, uh, proud to work for America every day and keeping our federal agencies running. Salute them, thank them for their good work on behalf of all of us and their support of the program. David Daly is a senior fellow at Fair Vote, uh, author of the book we've talked about before, Rat eft Why Your Vote Doesn't Count, uh, and it's now out in paperback. David, congratulations and welcome. Thank you. It's good to be back. Good to see you back. I, I guess if you were saying, you know, if you were uh, a professor of, Government studies or whatever, and you wanted to you now, this is how government ought to work. This is how to get things done. You would talk about Mitch McConnell, right?
0: <laughs> Leader McConnell. It just, yeah. it just gets better and better. He Leader McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually his Twitter handle. It's Leader McConnell. Oh, my God. Think and about, yet he talk, talk about a contradiction in terms, an
1: oxymoron, right? Votes. I
3: mean, it really it, it should <laughs> yeah. be it 50, 50, <laughs> fifty.
1: Can't get fifty, yeah, right, right, right.
3: It should be stated again that Mitch McConnell has a long history of being like one of these Machiavellian politicians right. who can see around corners and this knows what he's doing. This is supposed to be what he's good at. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, no, no. I know he's got this reputation. It is all phony, and I think it's because. He was always in the minority, so he never had yeah. to deliver. So he could be you know, the complainer, the whiner, and everybody thought, oh, man, this guy really knows what he's doing. Obviously, he doesn't, right? Yeah. When
0: I was in Louisville for five years, um, living in Kentucky, and you would often see Mitch at the Kroger, just kind of going up and down the aisle, and people just steered out of his way. <laughs> Nobody wanted to go near him, um, Clearly his own caucus, <laughs> perhaps, okay, I, I, is also steering a little bit clear of him I came
3: here week. to get a box of cornflakes, <laughs> and you got in my way, and I will crush you. <laughs>
1: Stay out of my way uh, at the Kroger. So, rat Eft, why your vote doesn't count. Why, that, you know, for those of us yes. who uh, haven't talked to you in, in a while now, again, out in uh, paperback. We'll have a link up on our website. Why doesn't people's vote count?
0: Well, because we are a closely divided 50-50 country in so many ways, and yet the Republican Party has got complete control of power in Washington and also in the states, 69 of 99 state legislative chambers, uh, 35 governors complete control of the governor and the state legislature in 25 of the 50 states. So the question becomes if we are this divided how come all of the power at every level rests in the hands of one party? And I suggest in this book that the gerrymander and redistricting is a huge a piece of this, that what the Republican Party did after 2008, after the big Democratic wave year, was that they were staring down at demographic uh, challenges that looked like it could put them in the minority for a generation. It did not work out that way because they plotted their comeback in 2010 by going after the state legislative chambers that controlled redistricting the following year. Red map. Red map. Mm -hmm. $30 bucks spent really wisely in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, in Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Texas, Florida, Alabama, taking control of legislative chambers, locking the Democrats out of the room. When it came time to draw the maps the following year, and then <laughs> building themselves uh, with the help of really sophisticated new computer uh, software and also mm-hmm. the kind of big data that is out there on voters, on all of our consumer preferences, that in an age of of this kind of polarization, it really matters. Isn't
1: um, Texas a classic example, maybe, of what, what you can do? Because- <laughs> If you look at, uh, uh, there's a brilliant piece by Lawrence Wright in The, New, the New, Yorker, New Yorker last week. Fantastic, uh, Longest New Yorker piece I think I've ever read, <laughs> um, but so good. Uh, but he points out that the, uh, talk about demographics. Yes. Okay. Texas now, I think, is a majority-minority state. That if Latinos voted in the same numbers that they vote in California, every, every state, with the, the, a Republican could not get elected. In Texas, and yet the reason they can is partly because, not largely because of reapportionment in Texas, right?
0: Well, the amazing thing about reapportionment in Texas is Texas gets four uh, new seats after 2010. Uh, These are designed to be a majority, uh, a minority seats Mm -hmm. for the growing Latino Latino population. population. Yeah, Republicans managed to to win three of these seats. And part of this is because when they're drawing these districts, they know everything about the uh, residents of that area. You can essentially build into this Maptitude program that draws the maps and do all kinds of add-ons. So you can take all of the voter turnout records. You can cross-match that Mm. against all of the precinct-by-precinct block-level voting results. So you can have a sense that, okay, we can make this a majority Latino district, but we also know that half of these Latino voters on this block won't come out Mm -hmm. to vote. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's a fictional majority, a minority seat that actually is a reliable performer for the Republican Party. Uh, These map makers have all-knowing data sets, and they have done a, a sensational job of rewiring our democracy at its most foundational level.
1: All right, so clearly, <clears throat> clearly, um, we know what the Republicans did under the, the genius of uh, Karl Rove, Yes. Um, who actually dropped the discs in Lafayette Park or something, <laughs> as I recall one time and <laughs> blew the whole cover of this operation. Uh, and it worked so successfully, and now we're into the next cycle With the next reapportionment coming up after the 2020 uh, census, and so clearly, having seen how successful the Republican, what they did, and how successful the Republicans were, Democrats this time around are doing the very same thing with even more money and more purpose and more direction, and will have more success. Isn't that right? (laughs)
0: <laughs> and the democracy fairy is going to come and sprinkle <laughs> pixie dust on us all and everything is going to return to normal and we're going to have decency and civility and, yeah, that's and what problem I believe. solving in our that's, politics that's it's all going to be fixed mm-hmm. i'm i'm yeah, i'm right. really excited for the, uh, <laughs> uh, coming <laughs> um, you are right that the democrats are at least are at least woke Uh, Now, okay, (laughs) that's a start. (laughs) The Democrats slumbered through 2010. I mean, Karl Rove uh, writes. I mean, it's not only that the Karl Rove uh, dropped all the discs in the park. Uh, Karl Rove uh, writes an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal in 2010, and he says, "We are going to plot our comeback through (laughs) redistricting. These are the neighborhoods where we're going to win state legislative elections." So, the Democrats not only did not come up with this idea. To kind of reinvent the gerrymander, they couldn't play defense when Karl Rove mm. laid out where the battlefield. So would it was be. no secret what they were doing. It was not a secret. It was just okay. especially effective. Um, and the Democrats were fighting uh, the old uh, redistricting wars. Mm. Yeah, Republicans simply shifted the, the field. Um, I don't think Democrats fully understood what happened in 2010 um, or lasting the consequences. Would be until after 2012, right. because that's the year that Barack Obama is reelected. Right, a Democrats win big in the Senate; uh, they take 1.4 million more votes in the House of Representatives. But mm-hmm. Republicans hold the chamber 234 201, and you yeah. go state by state: Michigan, Pennsylvania, um, all of these states deliver more votes for a Democrats in the aggregate, but. Republicans, Republicans win big delegations: thirteen-five in Pennsylvania, a twelve-four in Ohio, off of fifty-fifty. So the seat vote ratio just is way out of whack. So what in these are the places. Democrats doing today? I so, mean, so they? Democrats are uh, are attempting to raise a lot of money through the National Democratic uh, Redistricting uh, Committee. This is the project that Barack Obama and Eric Holder are working on. Obama held a big fundraiser last Thursday in D.C. Evidently, Democrats may be trying to raise as much as $250 million to put toward this project. It is a long-term project. Essentially, the NDRC is an umbrella organization for all the Democratic groups with skin in this game. So it's the Democratic Governors Association and the uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, uh, the uh, Legislative Congressional Committee, the uh, DLCC. Um, But they have got their work really cut out for them because Democrats are down 24 seats in the U.S. House. Mm -hmm. So Democrats could conceivably thread a needle to find their way back to control. I mean, I still think it's really unlikely given how tight the maps are and how few legitimate swing seats there are, but one ought to never say never. The trouble is that doesn't help them structurally. It's a valuable check on Donald Trump, and it would be a terrific and important uh, a thing to
1: yeah, get regain the
0: influence um, and, and a semblance of power back in Washington. But these lines are drawn by state legislatures. And the legislatures in Ohio, in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, all of these states we talked about on election night, uh, they're all incredibly important. Are are more deeply gerrymandered than even the US Congress. Mm. Ohio's uh, a state house is 6633. Pennsylvania is 12181. <sighs> North Carolina is 7445. Uh, Wisconsin is 6534. So Jesus. so it's crazy. Uh, so finding a way back to power means that Democrats have to somehow take back state uh, legislative chambers if they want to ever control the redistricting process again in right. 2021. Right, And
3: this shows, by the way, the earlier I did the story about how I'm not trying to beat up on Hillary Clinton. I know everybody thinks we do that on this show, but Hillary Clinton, even now, is less popular than Donald Trump. And the reason that they point to is not because of who she is necessarily, but because of the damage that her campaign did to the Democratic Party. So you've got all these gains that Democrats have to make, which is already an uphill battle, as you've explained. And then the Democrats are kind of not sure who
0: they are. Well, I mean, just look at the impact Nancy Pelosi had in all these congressional special elections. All you... All that the Republicans had to do was remind their base that a San Francisco liberal would become Speaker of the House if 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 John Ossoff, um, or Quist or any of these, of yeah. uh, or any of these folks, uh, won. I mean, even in this political climate in which the Democrats seem to have the wind at their backs, that was a brutally effective campaign ad, um, yeah. and it's what. It's what Democrats will be running into in in 2018. Uh, The the trouble is that uh, their brand in all of these places is in some ways just as toxic. And there are so few swing seats. Democrats have not flipped a single seat blue in any of these states I keep mentioning on these maps this decade. So Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Wisconsin. The only seat that's turned in Virginia this decade is when courts ordered a new map in 2016 after a racial gerrymandering case. If you can't take seats back in these swing states, and then if you can't run in Kansas, in Montana, in South Carolina, because your brand is toxic and really difficult there, it's hard to see where you find those 24 seats.
1: I forget the exact number, but isn't it, isn't it true, however, when when Ossoff lost, um, Charlie Cook from uh, the Cook Report, uh, who's the smartest Absolutely. political analyst that I know, uh, pointed out that there are X number of seats that are a lot more favorable for Democrats than the Ossoff district was in Georgia. Uh, seats that now held by Republicans that Hillary Clinton carried by double digits in many of them. Uh, it, it's something there, like, are,
0: there are 23 districts yes. that, uh, that Clinton... Uh, carried, but elected a Republican.
1: Right, that's it, 23. That's the trouble
0: right. is only four of those 23 districts were single-digit races for the congressional candidate. So the Republican won 19 of those 23 races by double digits. Double, I see. That's yeah. going to be difficult. And the flip side of this is that there are 13 seats that Trump won and elected a Democrat. So there are are a handful of really legitimate uh, targets for Republican pickups. Three of those seats are in Minnesota, hmm. and and those three races, two of them were within 2,000 votes and one was within 5,000 votes. So there were some really close ones out to there on the, the to, other side.
1: To what extent? I mean, this, I know this changes, uh, meaning whatever the – whatever, however it was when I was Democratic State mm-hmm. Chair of California – is not necessarily true today, and however it was in 2016 may not be the way it is in 2018 or 2020. Right. But my question is, to what extent are these congressional races nationalized? In other words, to what extent do people connect um, our member of, uh, their member of Congress with who's in the White House?
0: You know, <clears throat> I almost think that what has happened is we've become so polarized that almost everything is nationalized. We're wearing red and blue laundry, you know, as as, mm-hmm. as Seinfeld talked about, yeah. uh, rooting for yeah. you know Team Laundry, um, and and that is essentially what has happened. I mean, if you look at the uh, at the Georgia race, um, uh, Clinton gets forty six point nine percent of the vote down there, and Ossoff yeah. gets forty eight point one percent in the April runoff, and he gets forty eight point one percent in the June election. It doesn't budge all that much because we have become so partisan uh, so polarized that it is really hard to imagine voting for the other side Um, our politics has become our identity um, and it's not even that these races are nationalized it's that we can't imagine voting for the other side.
1: So the strategy is the Republicans tie the Democrat to Nancy Pelosi uh she seems to be, you know, mm-hmm. the boogie girl, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and the Democrats tie the Republican to Donald Trump, and uh, you pick out the most unpopular person mm-hmm. in the other side on the other side, and that's your campaign. Multiply
0: it by four thirty-five, and off we go. Um, <laughs> God, uh, 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 thirty million bucks politics. in each of these districts, and uh, a yeah. whole lot of negative ads. Um, uh, but I mean, imagine if the Democrats had spent that thirty million dollars in in Georgia 6th, that was essentially lit on fire there, um, and actually taken it and invested it in state races, in building an infrastructure. Uh, There's a really important race this year in uh, Virginia. Uh, Virginia's assembly is up uh, this year, and it is a deeply gerrymandered state. Um, And if if Ed Gillespie, who was one of the architects of this gerrymandering scheme, Mm -hmm. is elected Mm -hmm. governor of, of Virginia this fall... Republicans would have their 26th trifecta A Gillespie would be governor in 2021 heading into a redistricting. Um, and this is largely a blue state. Seven mm-hmm. of the last 10 governors of, of Virginia have been Democrats. It's gone blue in the presidential cycle the last three times, uh, two democratic U.S. senators. And yet the state, legislature and also Congress tips deep. A red. Right. These are the kinds of fights that are worth taking on and that have to be done. Uh, Virginia is a very meaningful election this year, and these governor's races next year in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Florida are all governors of deeply gerrymandered states where the governor has a seat at the table for a redistricting because they have veto power in those states over bad maps. That is not going to get you back to uh, perfectly fair maps, but perhaps it gets you a Pennsylvania (laughs) that has a couple of swing seats. Perhaps it gets you an 11-7 map instead of a 13-5 map. Um, If Democrats were to focus on these governor's races, they could at least potentially stop the bleeding, save themselves another decade like the one that they've just had, and begin the long process of doing the repair work that they have to do to rebuild state infrastructure in all of these places. Okay, now... Um,
1: <clears throat> oh, boy, there's so much on this. Uh, <laughs> let me just start here. I, I hate to rain on your parade, okay? But, and I don't have the numbers right in the top of my head, but I, I picked up a copy of my la- la- latest book, Buyer's Remorse. Yes. I could give you the numbers. That in 2009, when Barack Obama took over, Democrats controlled the House mm-hmm. by a pretty good a pretty good margin. Yes. They controlled the Senate by a decent margin. We had the White House. We had the majority of governorships, and there were 950 right. more Democratic yes. legislators than there are today. Obviously, this happened that all those so now it's just the flip. Republicans control the House and the Senate and the White House and the as you mentioned, 35 out of 50 governorships, 25 trifectas. We've lost 950-so legislative seats. So this happened under Barack Obama's watch. If he didn't give a damn about this happening and didn't do anything to stop it when he was president, why are we putting all our hopes in him right now with Eric uh, Holder to fix this problem? He's not going to do I'm going to tell you right now, he is not going to do it. I agree with you. Um, I I, now, there you go. Everybody's going to accuse me of being anti-Obama. No. no, I'm um, pro-getting the Democratic majority back. I don't count on Obama to I do it. I think
0: that the Democratic Party of, of Barack Obama bears an awful lot of blame for falling asleep at the switch in 2010 and not understanding what was going on. <laughs> I think that Obama still, in many ways, misses the point of this. If you go back and look at his exit interviews in his, in his farewell address. He talks about a redistricting kind of in a bloodless way. He still doesn't fundamentally understand that this was a strategy and a power play. A Democrats around Obama, and I talked to a lot of them in the new epilogue of the book, they still see 2010 as just, just a, sort of a perfect wave that lined up against them a bad midterm in a redistricting year. It was not a perfect way. If it was a perfect strategy that was executed brilliantly while they fell asleep and did not realize that it was going to have a decade or more of consequences, they're not prepared to fight it. Democrats love to go after the White House. They like to go top down. This has got to be a bottom-up fix. It's not enough to, to focus on these 24 House seats. The party has to be... Rebuilt in the states. Yeah. And they're taking on the wrong fight. $250 million that all goes towards consultants and everything else is not going to do it. So have you talked to Tom Perez, the new chair? I mean, does the
1: DNC have this as their priority? Um, I
0: I have some sense that they're aware of this. I mean— Have they
1: met with you? Have you met with them? I have not met. Jesus, why not? <laughs> um,
0: I think that they I mean, have... Why don't they hire you? Lay out the <laughs> game plan, right? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do bring bagels and coffee. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah <there's> that. <laughs> um, I'll write your letter of recommendation yeah, that alone. Yeah,
0: exactly, right? Uh, uh, they are welcome to uh, buy a copy of it is, it is on. It is on... On bookstores everywhere for sixteen yeah. ninety five. <laughs> I think if they've got two hundred fifty million bucks, they, yeah, uh, they could, you know, buy yeah. themselves a dozen copies and and study up and understand what they that are is, up yeah, against. Yeah, they had
1: to buy a copy and send a copy to every member of the DNC and yeah. say, "This is what we ought to be doing. This is the this game is plan. Our, this is our um, yeah,
0: and this so, is what you're up against. I don't think you can plan an effective strategy unless you know what the other side has done, um, and uh, this has got to be what. Republicans did in 2010 was they convinced their donors that down ballot was the way to go. They convinced their rich folks and they and they made them believe that investing $100,000 into a Pennsylvania state legislative seat was more important than going after a White House seat or a Senate seat. All they right. made it sexy.
1: David Daly, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks. Yeah, pleasure. And uh, thank the you. paperback is out now. Rat F, you got to read it. And I'll tell you where we're going to start. We're going to start turning things around by getting rid of Paul Ryan. And if you stay tuned, you're going to meet the man who's going to do it. Ironworker Randy this Price coming up next. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Now we know uh, that there was yet one more person around the table with Donald Trump Jr. at Trump Tower. The numbers keep growing. Uh, yeah, this a representative of the Donald Trump's former business partner out in Moscow. One more little bit that they tried to cover up that has leaked out. It gets worse and worse every day. Hello, everybody. On a Wednesday, July 19, uh, great to see you today. Welcome to the program, The Bill Press Show, coming to you live from... Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill, where we will tell you what's going on here in Washington, around the country, and around the globe. Our job, uh, we do it every day, tell you what's going on. Your job is to tell us what you think about it. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Uh, and we are going to talk about a very, very important race. Boy, wouldn't we be a uh, ahead of the game if we could just... Get a little change in leadership. Not only bring Democrats back to control of the House, but just send Paul Ryan packing once and for all back to Wisconsin. Randy Bryce is the man who's going to do it, the Democratic candidate in Wisconsin's first congressional district. Uh, Joining us in studio, Randy, good to see you. Good morning. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for coming in all the way from Wisconsin. huh? Yes, Yes. we're in
7: for a couple of days.
1: Good, good. And I hope you uh, can go back with a lot of... uh, a good support and, and you know, and financial help, whatever you need. It's, it's been
3: <laughs> all the races in the country. Yeah. This is, this the, is one, the one, y'all. Right. This is the one you want to pay attention to.
7: Right. It, it's been a great visit, seen a lot of support, and it's it's been fantastically appreciated. Well,
1: hopefully you have even more after, uh, after, after your time here on the Bill Press Show. We'll get right into it with Randy and with all of you. But first... This
2: is the Full Court Press. Yes,
3: indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. There has been a storm watch issued for Grenada, St. Vincent, and the Grenadines and St. Lucia because there is a tropical storm. Already? Already. It's Mm. the season. Tropical storm is on its way. Now, here's the thing. This tropical storm, as you know, they name these tropical (laughs) storms.
1: Donald. Is it Donald? Tropical (laughs) storm
3: Don. No! Is descending Uh. upon... These islands. Now, you're going to love this. The World Meteorological Organization uh, has a committee that created these names, and they did talk about Tropical Storm Don. Yeah. (laughs) They said that the storm is, quote, small and not particularly well organized, (laughs) end quote, and it is likely to dissipate within 72 hours. So while it is a threat... It is not one that's to be taken super, super seriously. They think actually, it's going this, is off- fake, this is fake. This is fake
1: news. This is actually the biggest and the best <laughs> storm that the world has ever seen. I mean, it's, period. It's going to be huge. Yeah, huge. It's yes, going to right.
3: completely change. There's
1: everything. never been a storm like this in the history of <laughs> uh, of stormdom.
3: Yeah, period. Speaking <laughs> speaking of tropical storm Don. Uh, The Wall Street Journal reported yesterday that the United States military is spending $130,000 a month to rent space inside of Trump Tower in New York City. They have the White House military office there, and they uh, were charged $180,000 for the last 20 days of April 2017 and $130,000 a month thereafter, according to the contract that was released by the General Service Administration. Now, Donald Trump doesn't live there. Melania doesn't live there, and yet we're having to pay 130 grand a month just to have an office there.
1: Um, this is why Donald Trump wants to give so much more money to the Pentagon. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> yeah, right. So he, it's a little transfer of wealth. Um, how much sp- uh, square footage?
3: Oh, I don't know. It doesn't say.
1: Could we find out? I bet we could find. I it. want to know how much they're charging per square
3: foot. Oh, per square foot. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah,
1: and okay. I want to know whether we're getting a discount.
3: Oh, I could answer that question for you. (laughs) He ain't giving anybody a discount.
1: This is our money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you know what? That's not the only federal agency that's paying rent in Donald Trump's buildings. I'm sure of that.
2: On your radio, on TV, and online, this is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, folks,
1: we have a, another medical emergency here in Washington, D.C. Don't know whether you've heard the news yet or not, uh, but um, Republican Leader Mitch McConnell is uh, hospitalized this morning. Yes, the news just broke this morning. He's in the hospital. He's been diagnosed with a low white vote count. Uh, yeah, very serious. And, uh His doctors say that uh, unless Mr. McConnell can improve his white vote count, he may not survive. Certainly, (laughs) the repeal of Obamacare will not survive, has not survived, went down in flames yesterday. Hello, great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. The Bill Press Show, coast to coast, we're coming to you on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show on Free Speech TV. Uh, check it out, and uh, on uh, WCPT out in the greater Chicago area. Uh, with a little bit of news uh, this noon, not the only time they going to be able to see us today. In fact, I'll be on uh, CNN from New York later this afternoon. I'll uh, let you know about that on Twitter. Uh, and tonight, doing a special program at the Democratic National Committee with the vice chair of the DNC, Keith Ellison, our good friend, congressman from... Uh, Minnesota and uh, Keith Ellison and I will be interviewing uh, Congresswoman Sherry Bustos, from, friend of ours, uh, friend of ours from uh, Illinois. Yeah. So it's going to be a great program. Tell us more about it. Peter. It's going to
3: be streamed out live. You'll be able to see it on Facebook, and we'll have all the links out there. If you want to go to live, this is a
1: program they do like once a week or yeah, once every a
3: Wednesday month. at eight. Every Wednesday at eight, live.democrats.org. Mark it down, live. Dot democrats.org. It's going to start at eight o'clock Eastern time tonight. Uh and if you can't get to that website, uh they're gonna have it out on Facebook and we'll share it from our Facebook page and all that. So uh make sure you're checking it out. Keith
1: Ellison, Bill Press, Sherry Bustos. Sounds like trouble to me.
4: <laughs> uh,
1: and there is trouble for Paul Ryan out in Wisconsin. A strong challenge uh, from Ironworker Randy Bryce, uh, who joins us uh, in studio. Randy, it's great to see you. Good morning. Great to be here. I got to tell you, first of all, uh, I don't know really you know, I am um, almost an honorary iron worker. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I've known uh, several of your, Eric Dean, your president, uh, current president, is a good friend. Great um, man. Joe Hunt, president before. Walter Weiss, who was president nice. before. Uh, and... My one of my best friends in the entire world for a long time was uh, Jake West. Nice, uh, Jake West and I used to hang out together in California and here, and uh, I miss him. And uh, so, anyhow, I have a great affection for the ironwork and, and the work that you do. I mean,
7: thank you. Uh, you guys, you top off all these, right? All these great buildings. You it's know? it's uh, the best. It's called the best part time job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I mean, the, the one of the best parts of the job is, are the views. I used to, I mean, just race to the top of the building where I'm working at to see the sunrise. Um, and, and I can't imagine doing anything else except for trading places with Paul Ryan so he can see these views.
4: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's nice of you. <laughs> that'd, be,
1: that'd be a good thing to do.
7: But, I mean, seriously,
1: are you, um, I mean, <laughs> what are the safety <laughs> Features, you know, to protect you and your coworkers. Because yeah. well, there's a lot. You put see these pl- pictures of you guys, right? At right. the top, of these like that, the new um,
7: World Trade Center building, right? The Freedom Tower. Freedom it's, Tower. Yeah. Right. It's um. Well, the thing is, is that it hasn't always been like this. And the first Iron Workers Union started when a group of guys that that did this work um, got together. And I mean, there was a high mortality rate. There still is. It's considered one of the top ten most dangerous jobs. In the country, um, but a group of guys got together to pool their money in order to provide a decent burial for for a, a brother mm. that died on the job. Um, and since then, we've we've learned that by sticking together, we can say, "Look, we're not going to. This work isn't going to get done unless you provide certain safety um, specifications so that we can get home safe." Right. And so, so that's the origins of the Ironworkers Union. It's still dangerous, um, but it is a heck of a lot safer than it than it was. Back in the day, you know, we've been around over, like our union's been over um, 115 years we've been around. But, but, so. it's,
1: it's, it's, that's an important story because people don't recognize so many things that we take for granted today. You know, safe uh, the safe the a safe workplace, right? right? Again, there's still a lot of dangers in your in your profession and a lot of others. But safety at the workplace, the health care, the whole vacation benefits, right. you know, uh, across the board, uh, they, they were not just... Corporations didn't just provide that willingly, generously, right? Because it was in their best interest. They, they, they had, they, they were. The, there was a battle, exactly, on every one of those that they had to give up. On it was a battle because working men and women got together and formed a union and said, "This is what we
7: need and what we deserve." Exactly. And um, today we have. It's a great partnership with the contractors that have been hiring us for over hundred years. We we work together. We sit down. Our apprenticeship. Um, board is con- it consists of five union representatives five contracting representatives and an uh, employee from the state and we sit down together and the contractors tell us what kind of jobs they're going to be bidding on in the upcoming years and we we provide training accordingly so that that our uh, memberships ready to to make a lot of money for the contract yeah I
1: haven't seen that uh, in the, uh, not that the, the, my experience is that vast I haven't seen that in many other unions but I have been part of those meetings uh, through the, with the iron workers and I was mm-hmm. always impressed that here here had the union guys and the and the and the contractors sitting down together saying okay here's where we think we're going here's what we need here's right. what we can provide and uh and then the, the workers at the same time say, here's what we need from right. our side. Everybody yeah. wins. Everybody All right. wins. All right. So let's talk about congressional. Of, okay. I mean, look, th- seriously, there'd be no, you could not do any more greater public service to this nation, I think, other than getting rid of Donald Trump and getting rid of Paul Ryan. I mean, right. how is he considered in this district?
7: Do people realize what a, what an ineffective, weak leader he is? That's, that's why, um, one of the reasons why I I jumped in is his, his uh, ratings are just plummeting. And not only that, I mean, this, this health care is trying to take away people's ability to see a doctor um, and reward the richest people in the country as a result. Um, people are upset, and they're, they're so upset that uh, Speaker Ryan is now, admit, he said he's not going to have any more public town halls. He doesn't want to meet with us. Um, he hasn't been in the district having a public town hall in over 600 days. And uh, we had to have invite Congressman Mark Boucan to come into the district from the neighboring district. Um, Second District, to tell us what's going on, how this is going to affect us, and, and what's going on in Washington, because people don't know.
1: Yeah. You talk about a contrast between Mark Pocan, a great progressive, great friend of the program, has been in many, many times, uh, out there fighting every day on behalf of working-class working, working class Americans, right? Right, right. Yeah. And Amazing Paul Ryan, that. who doesn't have a clue.
7: Right. And he's, you know, he's Speaker of the House, but he's not working on behalf of working people's houses. He's not speaking out for the people that, the vast majority of people that live in the district. Right. So uh, where is it? Where is the race right now? Is there is there a Democratic primary or are, there is a primary? Okay, so um, a woman, a school board member in Janesville, has also gotten into the race. Well, God bless her, but we're with you.
4: Okay, just
1: no no doubt about it. That's no, that's a, a no brainer for me as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Uh, y- your Twitter handle, I have to ask you, is Iron Stash? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. Pretty good-looking stash. Yeah,
6: right? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> for those
1: of you who can't see, it's too bad here. But,
7: um, uh, yeah, it it was. It actually came about, um, I got on a Twitter coming to D.C. and at, at one of the National Building Trades legislative conferences and um, was talking with one of the guys that does the social media for them. And he said, you should get on Twitter. So I was... I had been on Facebook, but yeah, pretty new right. to Twitter a few years back, so I was like, "I'll give it a shot." And I was just tossing around names and yeah. just came up with that. And uh, when we were talking about running for Congress, there was discussion as to whether or not to come up with like a Randy for Congress or something like that. But it was it was determined we decided that no we'll just keep Iron stashes because I'm running as me. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not claiming to be something else other than a working guy who, you know, an iron worker, proud of what he does. And so it's it stuck and it's kind of taken off. Yeah, I, I, just, I like it. I think I can see the bumper sticker, man. Iron <laughs> stash. I'd stay with it, man. <laughs> well, somebody somebody even suggested. Uh, there are a lot suggested. of Randy's. There's only one Wait, iron stash. Somebody suggested <laughs> I use that on the ballot. Oh, Uh, but I think that's a little—that's going a little too far. (laughs) That might be too much, (laughs) right?
3: Right. But you know what? You'd stand out—that's for sure. I, you know, you're again a great bumper sticker. You got to do that. The video ad that you put out announcing that you were running is is one of the more powerful ads that that we've seen, and I think it gets right to the point of where we are in politics right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not a politician. No. You're a guy who um, sees what's going on. And you want to get involved and you want to make a change. I think there are a lot of people out there like that right now. And, you know, one thing that I thought we were better at, Donald Trump has maybe shaken my resolve on this a little bit. We've, we've gotten pretty good at spotting BS, mm-hmm. you know, from our politicians. And I, I think that you're an absolutely no BS politician. Um, a, a, and I think the ads yeah. to and that. And Paul
1: Ryan's the epitome. He's the epitome of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're talking about that ad. Here's a, here's a, just a little uh, a little bit of it here.
3: Paul
5: Ryan, come up and say a few words. Congratulations on the job. Well done.
7: I've been an iron worker for 20 years. I decided to run for office because not everybody's seated at the table, and it's time to make a bigger table. Let's trade places. Paul Ryan, you can come work the iron, and I'll go to D.C. We can do so much better together as a community. Our future depends on it
1: yeah that's a good mes- message to uh, to put out there uh what what do you want you know what would your as opposed to Paul Ryan your priorities be
7: Well what, f- first and foremost would be being in the district and communicating with the people. Actually, you can't represent somebody if you're not having some kind of conversations with them, listening to what they have to say, the concerns uh, and secondly, I would be doing things i mean we've been working harder and harder every year and having less and less to show for it. Uh, and, and with him taking away, trying to take away our health care, that's pretty much a, a basic thing that people need, no matter how old you are, um, where you come from, what you look like. That's one of the number one concerns that we need because you can't even work anything. You can't do anything unless you're healthy and, and able to get out of bed, able to have, you know, for like health care is independence from Emma. It's not just her ability to, do, to be well. Um, it allows her to get up and, and go grocery shopping, go visit my dad who's in assisted living. Yeah. So I think... Well, you mentioned, see, that, that's important because I know you've talked about that, your
1: mother and the and, and importance of the family. And that's what health care is all about, right? It's, right. It's families, it's people, it's faces, right? It's our parents and our kids and our spouses and ourselves too. Right. So uh, how, how would this uh, repeal of Obamacare impact your family?
7: Well, um, I can. My mom is considered lucky, and and that's really crazy to say that my mom's lucky while she has a debilitating disease like MS. But she's lucky because she does have health care, um, and she's she's on like twenty medications that she takes, and it costs thousands of dollars each month just just to get that. Um, and again, my dad's in assisted living. Um, he's a retired cop, so mm-hmm. he I mean he had a pension, <laughs> luckily, but right. But most people don't, and. Mm-hmm. Um you know my mom, she was she's self-conscious about how she speaks with her MS. Um, so she was really concerned how the video was going to turn out. but I, I you know, I explained to her, I said, if you don't feel comfortable, mom, that's fine. just say no. But the reason I'm doing this is is so that other people that don't have what you have can get it so that they can um, have the independence that you have to lead a fulfilling life to to be normal. I mean, other countries, all the, these other countries take care of of their people. You know, they have universal health insurance of some kind. Um, why can't we? There's there's no reason why we can't. And I think that's a starting point: is to make sure that everybody's well and we look after each other.
1: And to tell those personal stories, I think, is so important. It get it gets away from the numbers. I mean, when you say twenty two million P- Americans are going to lose their health care, you know, this is like it's it's almost hard to fathom right? right that many people that big when you talk about your mom or last a uh, couple of days ago former congresswoman Donna Edwards uh from Maryland uh was here in sitting where you're sitting and she told she was diagnosed with MS a year ago her medication she told us i I never forget that it just it just stunned me and maybe with your mother it's the same thing her medication she said cost her $73,000 a year mm which she now gets under Obamacare with, mm-hmm. I'm sure, some um, um, premium or whatever that she's got to pay. Um, but how can people – what do people
7: do, right? If Obamacare goes away, no matter right. what the medication costs, they're just and, – And it's not so – cra- that's bad enough. But when you're taking that away in order to give tax breaks to the richest people in a country, which, that's how, – how can that be considered even humane to do? Yeah. No. I mean, and that's what Obamacare.
1: I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry, <laughs> Trump Care, if you will, or the Republican bill, uh, is, is all about. Um, I think if President Obama himself said this wasn't a health care bill; it's a transfer of wealth bill. Right. No, it was Bernie Sanders actually has said that. Right. But I'm sure Obamacare, Obama would say the same thing. Yeah. Um, so back again, I, I'm, I'm just curious about back in the district because, I mean,
7: your district is not a real wealthy district is it? no no it, it's a so, working class ma- majority is working class people so, uh,
1: so, so there's this misfit between the people right. paul ryan s- seems to be working for and the people he represents
7: correct correct i mean it's it's a lot of people like me that get up and you know i pack a lunch go to work come home um, cash a paycheck, and, I mean, we bust Take our Take a shower when you get home, as right. Ed Schultz used to say, right. not before you go to work. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, I mean, you know, and they just, I, I think they're still working on tearing down a, a car plant in Kenosha. There's a huge facility in Janesville that's abandoned. You know, weeds are overgrowing it.
1: That's where he lives, right? Right. That's, yeah. yeah, that's his
7: backyard. And then uh, just some of the best-paying jobs in Waukesha County, just one over the border to Canada, an entire um, factory.
1: Which is? I thought Donald Trump was going to stop that.
7: Exactly, exactly. Um, you know, and and Paul Ryan's not doing anything either to help us out. Right. Um, Good-paying jobs are leaving, and I mean, there are some jobs coming to the district. Uh, like Amazon moved in, but I want to see. I, I want to see us make the things that Amazon is distributing. I, I want to see us making those things. We were a manufacturing center, and that's where we need to get to be again. Um, by you know Donald Trump talked about this is Buy American Week, but look at where he makes his own his own articles of clothing. We need to actually do things that are going to create American jobs, and and that happens when we go shopping and we look for an American flag on something that we buy, and that's going to help us get our neighbors back to work. Yeah, uh, as you pointed
1: out, Donald Trump yesterday said that's what we're going to get back to—that made in the USA, which is a great goal, by the way. Right, right, and yet everybody, not well, put this? one of the worst offenders is Donald Trump himself and his daughter. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. manufacturing everything uh, everything overseas. How do you explain the fact that Wisconsin
7: went for Hillary, went for Donald Trump? Um he had a decent message that appealed to working people, but you know, and I was telling the, the the members in our union I was like, well, nothing says sticking it to the man like voting in a billionaire, right? (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) man. And um, so he had he had a message that you know, if you're just listening to it and you didn't do any research, uh, it sounded good. And now I talk to these people that I know voted for him, and I ask, I said, can you name one promise that he's kept to you, Uh, as far as you know, just um, having projects that he's he's bringing in steel from Russia, and um, he he's. uh, he hasn't kept his word, and and people are waking up. I've heard. I I talked on a uh, a local radio program last week, and as I left, I had you know I was listening to the comments that people had to call in, and and some guys are like, you know, I voted for Donald Trump, and um, but he wasn't. He pretty much you know fed us a line, and this guy's the real deal. I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for him, which was I mean just great to hear that people understand that. They see the difference, you know, and there's no comparison between me or, uh, I mean, there's a, a, a huge difference between me and and somebody like Donald Trump and and Paul Ryan, who's been just making decisions that I mean, they don't help us. They help people that that are the highest bidders on you know the auction for his elections. Right. Well, so what do you what do you say to people? And you, and you know you're going to hear this. Um,
1: well, look, Paul Ryan's got all this experience and this time and. The, and he's got—he's the powerful speaker of the house. I mean, he can deliver for our district. And then you got this iron worker. He's never run for office before, probably right? First in state within a state, I have. Okay, um, but you know, certainly never served in Congress, and doesn't have anywhere near the experience that Paul Ryan does. So you got
7: this novice versus the real pro. What's your response to that? My response is: Who who would you like to make decisions for you? Who do you think is is does has your back? Um, Are you going to you want somebody like Paul Ryan who has proved that there's not a trade deal that he doesn't love and signing off on every single one that's been in front of him or somebody like me who wants to to get Americans back to work by buying American products? Um, He's he's a product of Wall Street now and and he's gone completely Washington. He started off as kind of a nice enough guy in the district and I always disagreed with his policies but he seemed as somebody, you know, reasonable. And, and that's gone now. He doesn't want to talk to us. Um, he's, he's traveling, and, and you know, it's not because he doesn't have time to talk to us, because he's traveling around the country with these high high dollar fundraisers. Um, and it's uh, it, it's basically about, you know, who has your values, whose values are more like yours that you can trust. Uh, and, and I might not be an expert on every single subject, but I can tell you that I'm going to find somebody to, we're gonna get through the language of it and and see how it affects working people. And I'm gonna make my decisions based on how it's gonna help people like me that work hard every day, um, as opposed to people that wanna you know shower me with money yeah in order to buy influence. Are
1: you uh, getting uh, much support from your uh, fellow uh, union members, other unions, and the in the and Absol- the labor community? Absolutely, I'm getting because I um, mean, they, they have so, they pack a powerful clout. I mean in terms of particularly. In terms of a ground game, and, you know, that, that that really is the all-important thing.
7: No, absolutely am, and and if I would have known, I've, I've been a volunteer political coordinator for Rain Workers Local 8 for like eight years, and I I resigned just before I ran for Congress, um, but I'm getting text messages from guys I worked on jobs with five, six years ago, and I don't have their name in my phone, but they know my number, and, and I'll get a text. Uh, yeah. Go get them, Randy. Go get them. You know, great job, and... Getting checks too, sending me money, and it's it's guys that have never been politically involved, seeing one of their own that they they've worked on a job with, and I mean, and we develop a tight bond on the job because it's it's a dangerous place, and you're always you know in a crane swinging a load over your head, it's like hey look out, or you know, frequently we'll pull somebody by the collar out of the way of, mm. of a, a close call, so there's a tight bond there, and and with with uh, the brothers and sisters. Although iron workers seeing one of their own running, it's it's getting a lot of people excited. Yeah.
1: No, that's great. No, I'm excited about it. I think it's, it's – You know, there's one other thing about Paul Ryan I want to ask you about that always puzzles me is that he 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 has this – he pretends <laughs> – I don't want to be too mean, but he pretends to care about poor people. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got this thing. I'm a Catholic, you know, and so, we you know, poverty is a big problem. And I think he does a little poverty tour or something. And yet, when you look at every one of the budgets that he's come up with, it guts every single program that would, that is helping
7: the poor today, from Medicaid on down. Absolutely, I mean, and and it's, it's not just, just phony. It's, not, it's phony. It's yeah. not just things that he votes for. I'm but, just suggesting you could. This is an argument you could use. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's a uh, he forced his way into a to a, a homeless shelter of a, a soup kitchen a few years ago for a photo op. And he was washing clean dishes. The dishes were already clean. (laughs) And he had a photo of pretending like he was washing dishes. So uh, it's. Absolutely.
3: That's who he is. I think that says so much about who he is. Just phony.
1: Yeah. Like, I was just wondering, like, what, what, what actions, right, in his district
7: would reflect his commitment to ending poverty? Uh, None. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing on our behalf. Um, And I think. He's only had something to do. You like written three bills. One of had to do with naming a post office. Um, So it's not, you know. And he liked to talk. He liked people to think that he's this genius when it comes to policy. He's speaker of the house now. He has a Republican president, a a Republican Senate, a conservative Supreme Court. What's he done? What What has he passed? I I haven't seen any of this. These, these big grand ideas
1: well you haven't seen them because they don't exist. I mean this has been he's been one of the most ineffective speakers of the House in history really I'd agree yeah and uh, and hasn't delivered uh, on on anything uh, and the, the, yeah he was able because he's got so many Republicans only he was able to deliver a, a crappy health care bill and get it over to the Senate but mm-hmm. that, that's hardly a legislative achievement even though like in your clip Donald Trump was giving him all this credit for right. For doing so after he lost it the first time around. All right. So, uh, this is a race that uh, I hope you're ready for this. First of all, we're talking 2018. This is already, this is only July 2017. So, we got a year and a half yet to go. Um, But this is a race that's going to get a lot of national attention. You know that, right? Right. So, um, kind of in the John Ossoff
7: category, I think. So, how can people help out and get in touch with you? What's the. uh, Um, Our website is www.randybriceforcongress.com. Okay. Or we also have a Facebook page, and on Twitter, it's uh, Iron Stash. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. At Iron Stash, S-T-A-C-H-E, of course, uh, on Twitter. And the, and the uh, website again, Peter, we want to be sure. I want to be sure we put it out, out yep, there. Yep, absolutely. RandyBriceForCongress.com. RandyBriceForCongress.com. All right. That's good. Well, my brother uh good luck go thank get you. them yeah thank you and just hold don't hold anything back this is uh you are this is this is, this is the lord's work you're doing as far as <laughs> i'm concerned yeah thank you for the invitation yeah you got to go right for the top and as strong as you can i know you will yeah. absolutely will all right great to see you randy thank you Pleasure good to be luck here. thank you randy Bryce for congress.com and when we come back another man who made a great national impact and uh he's got a great future ahead of him too Jason Kander, remember him from Missouri. We'll find out what he's up to now. And next, next on The Bill Press Show.
5: Right now, just i got to tell you, Jake, just being candid with you, at this point, uh, I'm just not there right now.
2: Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. How about it? It is The Bill Press Show on
1: this Wednesday, July 19. Coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. As we boom out to you coast to coast on YouTube, YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Looking at you on Free Speech TV nationwide as well and out in the Chicago area. On WCPT, we're brought to you today by the, why not, the International Association of Ironworkers. Randy Bryce just in studio with us, a proud iron worker challenging. Uh, he's gonna get the guy that's going to take on Paul Ryan in Wisconsin's first congressional district and do the entire nation uh, a great public service. Um, he is a member of the Iron Workers. The Iron Workers. The sky is the limit for them, as he told us. Check out their website at www.ironworkers.org. Uh, all under the present today of uh, President Eric Dean. Um, Randy Bryce going to make his uh, impact on the national political scene. Uh, joining us now, a man who already has Jason Kander, uh, who ran a great re- Senate race against. Uh, Roy Blunt out in Missouri. Hello, Jason. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Congratulations again. Great nice. run. Thanks for inviting we'll me in. F- we'll never forget the uh, <laughs> the ad. Can you still do it?
6: Yeah, it's all muscle memory, you know. So, I mean, the hard part really was uh, there's no teleprompter under the blindfold. <laughs> I mean, so that was a much harder part. You know? uh, <laughs> That's but, uh, the harder part yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah I get sure. that. Yeah. I get that. The rest is just, you know, my hands have done that plenty of times. Like uh, in the woods, in the dark at night when you're... Trying to clean your weapon, that kind of thing, like in the army, not like just randomly running around (laughs) in town (laughs) or anything. Yeah, right. This is a
1: skill that let's let's be clear that you learned in the army, right? Yeah, assembling
6: the. It was an AK forty seven. Well, there was an AR fifteen in the in the ad, but I mean, essentially M four or M sixteen, which is what you use in the military. Right. We were
3: going to have a contest today. We were going to, uh, weirdly enough, we couldn't get our hands on AR fifteen. Yeah. We were going to have you try and do that again, and have Bill try and roll a joint, and see who could do it the fastest. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it might have been a dead heat, guys. <laughs> it's funny.
1: But on the tel- I just yeah. want you to know, there are some of us in the media who can operate without a teleprompter.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, well, uh, well,
6: damn.
1: Uh, 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 I mean, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> there you go. Right. Uh, there you go. One person who should. Up- Operate more often with a teleprompter is the president of the United States, who he prefers uh, his uh, smartphone. And he just <laughs> s- can't give up the health care thing no. this morning, Peter. No. The latest tweets.
3: He just tweeted about it. Donald Trump says, uh, I will be having lunch at the White House today with Republican senators concerning health care. They must, all capital letters, must keep their promise to America.
1: Uh, uh, I think it's probably too late for that tweet, mm-hmm. don't you? <laughs> I think that he should
6: take the hint. <laughs> uh, America doesn't want this I mean he's pretty. it's pretty well clear people don't want this and I think they should take the hint and move on.
1: America doesn't want this and I don't think the Republican enough mm-hmm. Republican certainly 50 Republican Senators mm-hmm. don't want it either
6: It's also interesting that he keeps talking about and really the Republicans generally keep talking about compromise in terms of getting the Republicans to compromise with one another I mean there are 48 Senators who are not Republicans, right? I mean, that compromise would be, I don't know, including them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no. when President Obama left office, he said there are things that can be done to improve Obamacare, and I think it would be great if we do them. But they haven't considered any of those things. They're just, how do we compromise on something that you know, everybody on the right agrees on, which they haven't been able to do?
1: No. I mean, it's it's sort of a double whammy in the sense that they've totally excluded Trump has, and uh, Mitch McConnell, the Democrats, as you point out. Right. They have fifty Because they said, we have 52. We don't need them. Mm-hmm. We don't want to hear their ideas. We don't want to work with them. We just, our 52, we're going to get it done with our 52. And then they can't even get 50 out of 52, right? So then they blame the Democrats right. for being obstructionists.
6: Yeah, when at the end of the day, the truth is is that a, a health care bill that takes health care away from 22 million people is a really bad idea for a health care bill. And that's their problem.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, you cannot spin it. Right, uh, like any other way. It's a healthcare bill that causes right. a f- lot fewer people to have health care. All right, so here's... Yeah, right. It's not a healthcare care bill. Let's right, just be it's, not,
6: it's not. It's just a bill that takes health care away from people. And gives tax benefits yeah. to the wealthiest Absolutely. of Americans. I guess All right, the real so here's purpose. a
1: great idea. Um, th- th- again, I said this at the top of the show today. and I, The thing that puzzles me most about this whole process is how did Mitch McConnell get the reputation for being so smart, right? Okay, so point... Uh, uh, look at today or yesterday. So the first Senate bill, they can't get the votes. They make it even worse. They can't get the Mm -hmm. votes. So it says, all right, if you're not going to vote to repeal and replace, we're just going to vote to repeal the whole damn thing and Mm -hmm. provide nothing Mm -hmm. in this place. And he actually thought that they would vote for that. Right. Well, I
6: mean, I guess they did over and over again, right, when President Obama was president. It, why? Because? Because they knew it would never become law. <laughs> exactly. Right? Because this, yeah. was a, this was a campaign strategy. This was not a policy, right? And yeah. then when, yeah. when they gain any level of responsibility, <laughs> a whole lot of folks, thankfully, did say, well, enough folks anyway, not a whole lot, but it, enough yeah, folks enough. in the Republican yeah. conference yeah. said, you know what, maybe this isn't the responsible thing to do. Uh, so it just goes to show you, if, if you try and govern by, by political slogan, then you're not going to do very well.
1: Right. That's Uh, what they're learning. Jamie, you know what uh, Donald Trump said yesterday about um, the idea that they could repeal it, leave nothing in its place, and then not own it. Mm -hmm. I I, I find it just doesn't add up. Here he was yesterday uh, talking to reporters.
5: Just let Obamacare fail. Uh, We're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. We'll let Obamacare fail, and then the Democrats are going to come to us, and they're going to say, how do we fix it? How do we fix it?
1: Well, the fact is, if they pass this bill, repeal bill,
6: they would own it. Right. Well, he, either way, he owns the situation. Like, Yeah, you're right. He, he wanted the ball. Yeah. Like, yeah. He ran for president of the United States. He got a Republican Senate, a Republican House. He's out there saying it's failing. <laughs> He's trying to kill Obamacare is what's happening. Yeah. And, and what this is, you know, last night, uh, I was on CNN last night, and they played a clip of uh, President Obama in May talking about when, uh, when the ACA was passed. And he was talking about how there were a lot of members of Congress who knew that they would very possibly lose their seats, but felt that getting healthcare to an additional 20 million people was worth the risk. So that's what they did. He wasn't talking about it in terms of, he wasn't saying all these losers who lost elections because he doesn't measure, looking back at his presidency, he doesn't measure it based on who won elections, who lost elections, which political arguments did he win and lose. But that's how President Trump measures everything. He is willing to undermine Obamacare and undermine the American healthcare system in order to win a political argument. Never mind the fact that a lot of people suffer in the meantime. He's willing to say, let's just get rid of it and we'll try and figure out replacing it later. That's right. just cynical and wrong. Right. I mean, just on any
1: level, that's just horrible. Right. It is. And especially during the campaign. Remember when his promise was, oh, we're going to have the greatest health. It's going to be easy, in fact.
6: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So what is Jason Kander up to now? Uh, So I'm the president of Let America Vote, which I founded back in February. Uh, The reason I'm here this morning uh, in a separate capacity, I'm the chair of the (laughs) DNC's commission to protect American democracy from the Trump administration, which was created sort of as a counterweight to uh, the Trump. I think they call it the Election Integrity Commission. I refer to it as the Voter Suppression Committee to reelect the president. It's terrifying. So, this yeah. is the one that is that's a led...
3: terrifying, terrifying uh, b- b- move that they're making. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, yeah. the one led by the um, Kobach, Kobach, the Secretary from, Kobach Secretary Secretary. from from, uh, from from Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So what led... are they doing, and what is your commission?
6: So they they have a meeting this morning, uh, and so we're you know we're meeting and and we're doing a press conference to kind of point out what we see as what they're really doing. But what the whole purpose of this commission, like it started as, like I'm talking about the president's one. All right. I was yeah, just going to say distinguishes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs>
5: uh,
6: so the, the it started as a commission to try and justify the what I argue is the biggest lie that a sitting president has ever told, which was that three to five million illegal voters voted in the election. And now it has grown into an attempt to suppress the vote. I mean, they're going to issue a report or whatever they're going to do, and it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to falsely claim that there is an epidemic widespread of voter fraud in this country, or it's going to falsely claim that there is the potential for an epidemic of widespread voter fraud in this country. And the reason they're doing that is the same reason that Paul Ryan, Mitch McConnell, all the Republican leaders who are elected didn't stand up when the president started telling this lie and say, that's not actually true. Because if you can get out into the conventional wisdom, out into the ether, the idea that there's widespread fraud, it gets a whole lot easier to pass laws that make it harder to vote. And that right there is the core of the Trump re-election strategy.
1: And they have been – but they've been – you know, look, in 1993, from 1993 to 1996, I was Democratic State Chair of California. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but even decades beyond that, b- earlier than that, they've been talking about voter fraud, and they've never come up with any evidence of right. it. This is not a policy
6: difference between the parties anymore uh, at all. hasn't been for a while. This is a political strategy by the Republicans. Uh, it is no different than where they run their TV ads or who they send mail to or which doors they knock on. It is a strategy that says rather than reach out to minorities, to women, to the disabled, to low-income folks, rather than craft policies that include them— we're just going to exclude them from the election process. We're just going to make it so that they can't vote. Do it everything we can to make it more, more difficult for yeah, them to vote. It's just a political strategy to win elections. That's all it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's and un-American. And they do it through redistricting, and they do it through mm-hmm. um, cutting back on early voting or mm-hmm. same-day voting yep. and all, all of that. Photo ID, purging the rolls. You know. all, all, again, based on the fraudulent claim mm-hmm. that there is
6: massive voter fraud. Right. You are more likely statistically to be struck by lightning as an American than you are to commit voter impersonation fraud, which is the only kind of fraud that a photo ID requirement could even claim to prevent. In fact, in Missouri, where I was secretary of state, I was chief election official, we have never had a reported case of voter impersonation fraud in the state of Missouri. Not one. Not one,
1: yeah. I forget, Peter, we had a guest in a couple of weeks ago. was talking about Texas. In Texas, they looked at 20 million people. Um, people voting whatever mm-hmm. and they found two right people and and they were both like one voted here but was still registered like in another state so it wasn't really she didn't vote mm-hmm. in both states right. but a lot of people just end up when they move right being yeah. registered in yeah this whole states. thing is just like
6: the voter suppression playbook of the republicans has three like phases three steps to it step one is what this commission's about right which is Undermine faith in democracy so that people think that you got to go in with these sweeping laws. Step two is create obstacles to voting. Step three is create obstacles to the
1: obstacles. That's right. how this works. By the way, this is a total. Uh, I, I apologize for it. Okay. Total tangent. You gonna take a break and read the paper? Is that no, your, I, I want to. You. you mentioned yourself? it's your fault. You mentioned lightning. Uh huh. Sure. Okay. All oh right. Boy.
3: What state?
1: Go. What state has more lightning strikes than any other state? Mm, I don't know. I, I would
6: have no way to guess. This one?
3: Look at Bill. Look how pleased he is with it. He stumped everyone.
1: You know why? You're gonna it's get out Florida. Florida. It's should, another reason no, to hate Florida. I shouldn't be. Surprised. It is no. Uh-uh. I should not be surprised. 20.8 20, 20. <laughs> strikes per square mile in Florida. And more people die from lightning in Florida than any other state. Another reason to hate Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure President Trump's going to do something about it. Don't
3: worry. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to fix it. Well, well,
1: that's why I'll never go to Mar a That's the number one reason I'm afraid you're getting <laughs> struck by lightning. Uh, all right, so what is the DNC commission doing to counter this?
6: So the idea is to sound the alarm and to ba- basically mirror the, uh, the Trump commission or the Kobach commission, Pence commission, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, for instance, this morning, uh, we're holding a, a press conference. Um, it'll be myself, um, Joaquin Castro, uh, Congresswoman Sewell, uh, mm. and, um, and then uh, Michael Blake from the DNC, uh, all really pointing out uh, a few different things. One, just making sure to point out who's on this commission, what its real purpose is, and also talking about what are the things that a commission like this should do? What are the questions that we should be asking? And it, there are a lot of ways to improve elections in this country. Like, we live in a day and age where I could get out my smartphone and, you know, I'm from Kansas City, I could tell it to tell my TV to record the Royals game so that I can watch it when I get home. But I got to wait in line for two and a half hours to vote. So I'm not suggesting I should be able to vote on my phone, but I am suggesting that there's a certain level of interaction and customer service expectation in our lives right now and there are a lot of things you can do in elections to make to make them work a lot better but that's not what they're interested in doing right what the president's commission is interested in doing is convincing you that
1: democracy doesn't work and that it's overrun with fraud yeah uh (laughs) well yes at the same time he's saying who cares if russia hacked into our election (laughs) system right we're not going to do anything about that let's just move on Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean that's
6: well, I mean, it's a hoax, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, like this thing yesterday, for instance, that came out that he had this other meeting oh, yeah. uh, with Putin. With Putin. You know,
3: this is the most ridiculous <laughs> story right. ever. Yeah. I mean,
6: the fact that they just didn't think that that needed to be mentioned. Didn't need to be mentioned. Right. And, and, and and the
3: interpreter that he brought spoke Japanese. <laughs> yeah. See, he didn't even bring an interpreter that spoke <laughs> Russian and English. Russian
6: or English. Yeah, well, Putin Ah. basically got him to himself (laughs) for an hour, which I was an army intelligence officer in Afghanistan. I always preferred to meet with a source, uh, you know, when they would come by themselves. I mean, that's always preferable. I'm sure Putin feels the same way as, as an intelligence officer. So, you know, I think it's it's. There's so much about it that's upsetting.
1: But. It really shows uh how Putin won that one hands down. Oh my right? god. I, mean, I I've, the first meeting, the two hour meeting mm-hmm. he clearly did. And then the idea that Trump would come back for more that right. same day this is the evening of that the right. same day, comes back for more and spends another hour with him. And the White House never I feel like it
6: is the responsibility of every person who interacts daily with the president in the White House to start every sentence with, Mr. President, by the way, Russia is not our friend. And then you just go ahead and say whatever else you're supposed to say. But he needs constant reminders of this because uh, he doesn't seem to act as if he understands for, at all. For
3: all the terrible things that Vladimir Putin is, he <laughs> is a very, very smart politician and strategist. And he got one over on Trump here.
6: He's a KGB
1: operative who is running a country.
3: Yeah. Against we, yeah, Donald we, Trump, we, a we, bumbling Fox News grandpa. <laughs> right.
1: We talked before before the uh, before the meeting about how many times and how many uh, leaders, world leaders, Donald, I mean uh, Vladimir Putin, had outfoxed ahead of time going into the meeting. The classic one: taking a dog into his meeting with Angela Merkel, knowing that she's afraid of dogs. I hadn't even heard that. Oh no! Well, yeah, well, a, a big, a by
3: gigantic the way, dog,
1: the biggest. Damn dog you ever saw. Really? Yeah. It was huge. It's also just rude. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. no. He's a jerk. No, look at the picture. But he knew that she was, yeah. had a fear of dogs and he shows up with the dog on a leash. That's They're just the pictures are out there. Take a look at that. It says a lot about his personality as well. Um why shouldn't I be able to vote on my phone? Uh well, look, we need to make sure that voting is secure. Yeah. Uh, as well. Right. So I uh, well, 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 well. but mm-hmm. I can I paid for my parking last night, you know, uh, uh, on my phone. Sure. I pay bills, whatever I can, any supermarket Mm -hmm. on my phone. Yeah.
6: Secure. Well, look, in a day and age where uh, we know that foreign governments are trying to get into these systems, I think that the best thing we can do is make them. So I think a chief election official has three basic responsibilities, right? So – step uh, the first responsibility is you make sure only eligible voters vote second is you make sure that every eligible voter has the opportunity to vote and third you make sure that uh, they meet as much convenience as possible at the polls mm-hmm. so the gulf between so what you're talking good, about and where we are plan. is so huge right. that if you look at a state like Oregon which is sort of the gold standard <laughs> of this right now Oregon. yeah, yeah sure. i mean they have really high participation it's a very secure system and it's all by mail yeah it's by mail but you have you, only right and and but they also have automatic voter registration they have they are they are saying look you are uh, as a voter you are it's one of the few roles it's voter taxpayer a few others where you are a, a definite customer of the government and if the government would take a, uh, a a customer service approach to voting to this sort of thing like in in general when uh, when folks take a customer service approach to their roles in government they end up with much happier constituents, and voting
1: is one of those areas. Right. So um, isn't what you, what you said about um, the states, this is the role of the state, like mm-hmm. you, as mm-hmm. se- former Secretary of State, uh, isn't that a problem with this commission in that the sta- the, the, the yeah. commission implies that we in Washington are going to tell you how to run your elections? The great irony of that is, well, there are many, but the, right. the one
6: that jumps to my mind is So I was elected Secretary of State in 2012. And so in very early 2013, I came out here to D.C. for a National Association of Secretaries of State States Conference. And Secretary Kobach, who's basically running this commission, was there. And at the time, President Obama had put together a commission to look at things. And had a bunch of recommendations as to federal legislation. I, I know, I know right? where you're going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Secretary Kobach had a big problem with this, and was saying at NAS at the conference, he was saying that the federal government has no role here. It's overreach. They shouldn't do this sort of thing. Now that President Trump is in, he's in charge of this commission, and instead of it being about making sure more people can vote, now it's basically about making sure fewer people can vote. So, it's it's not even ironic. It, it's hypocritical. But I know
1: initially. Uh, some states, including some red states, said, no, 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 we're yeah. not going Because they put out this massive request yeah. for information on every person who had voted anytime, anywhere, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, what they wanted was
6: all sorts of information that it had never... It'd be, it would be unprecedented to put all of it in one place at somewhere like this commission where you know a criminal could access it, a foreign government, a, a company that wants to use it for commercial purposes, and they're asking for things like political party. Yeah. I mean what it looks like from the outside is that they are trying to figure out who you voted for so they can determine whether or not to try to push you off the rolls <laughs> yeah and yeah. that's just ridiculous but and also, that's why a lot of the, states stood up in both parties last four digits of your social security right. number it's it is enough to uh, apply for a credit card the sort of information that they were going to have that would be you know public and it would be and they they keep saying well you know but isn't it public it's very different than putting it all in one place where anybody, it's, it's one record's request away. Um, and they requested a lot more information
1: than what states make publicly available. Right. I mean, talk about Big Brother on steroids. Again, um, just the contradiction yeah. of everything one Absolutely. thought that the Republican Party uh, mm-hmm.
6: stood for. Yeah, that's why you saw folks like, I mean, the Secretary of State of Mississippi, <laughs> who is no liberal. I mean, this is a guy who, he came to Missouri in 2012 and campaigned against me alongside Chris Kobach. And when he got this request, he told them they could go jump in the oh, Gulf that's of Mexico. Right. He was the guy
1: who told them to jump Yeah. There were a couple of very colorful responses to that. <laughs> yeah. That, that, was, that was one yeah. of the better ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you, you uh, ran for Secretary of State uh, su- successfully, uh, ran for Senate, uh, sadly, unsuccessfully. Um, what's next? You know, I really am enjoying what I'm doing. Uh, I, they I, always say that.
6: <laughs> no, but I really am. <laughs> Look at the smile on my
1: face. I really am.
6: Uh, so do I I. I. I sort of only half-jokingly say <laughs> that, I mean, it's not joking at all, unfortunately, that I'm focused on making sure we still hold elections.
3: Uh, and then, uh, yeah. So, it's not a given. Yeah, and then right. maybe
6: one day I'll be in one. But um, I really, I really feel like we are in a time, I mean, Donald Trump's president and the Republicans control Congress. It is... Grab an oar and do everything you can, and I'm getting up every day and, and doing that, and I'm I'm
1: enjoying it. Uh, this is not I would imagine. Do you have a day job as well? Or is this?
6: Yeah, I mean, well, so, so Let America Vote, right, or... No, I don't take a salary yeah. for that. Uh, I'm also a CNN contributor, um, and then I'm working on some other things as well. But I just uh, yeah. So what, know, what I'm, do you I'm see traveling around doing a lot? You know,
1: a lot of us are, and I I had uh, actually a dinner last night with. Uh, congressman keith ellison who's the mm-hmm. vice chair mm-hmm. of the uh of, of the dnc and we were talking about uh the democratic party everybody mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. us democrats are talking about the democratic mm-hmm. party where we go mm-hmm. and uh and who's going to take us or who are the leaders of the democratic party today and, and obviously there's one generation uh if you count um hillary clinton B- bernie sanders joe biden nancy pelosi steny hoyer whatever that's One generation, which Mm -hmm. has kind of done its thing and gone. Mm -hmm. And looking for younger, stronger voices out there Mm -hmm. uh, of whom you're certainly one of them. Yeah, thanks. I thought Pete Buttigieg from Mm -hmm. uh, Mayor of uh, St. I'm sorry. South Bend. uh, South South Bend. Bend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Had a great, made a great impression when he Mm -hmm. was running for for, for DNC chair. So
6: No, there's definitely a generation of of folks um, coming up. Part of that's just math, you know. I mean, part of that is just, it's there's just generational change that happens. Um, But there's a a real energy there. And the good thing is, is... is, So what's the party have to do, do you think, to come back? Well, look, I think uh, that we have to recognize that it is not... Like, when I go around the country and and talk to folks, as I've been doing a lot, nobody comes to me and says that they're looking for one sort of, you know, politician to take them to uh, to the promised land. I mean, people are getting involved at a level that I've never seen in my lifetime. And it... And they're not largely doing it because one individual, you know, who they see on their TV brought them in. Yeah, it's it's, you know, my neighbor down the street was uh, invited a bunch of us over to write letters to the editor. And so that's the person that brings them in. I mean, I recently met a woman in Tennessee who drove me around all day to different Democratic events. I was invited to come and speak. And I thought she was like the ace number 1 mvp volunteer long time of the Tennessee Democratic Party when i asked her how long she'd been involved she said since january 20th 2017 and I, and it's yeah. that's yeah. emblematic i see yeah. that all oh, over no. the place absolutely yeah. so absolutely. i'm i'm really excited about that i'm excited about the fact that that energy is coming from outside of washington and those are the most effective movements usually
1: now i couldn't agree more i mean this is a this is a grassroots kind of resistance mm-hmm. oh, you know very much so yeah i yeah. always say it's uh, gandhi once said there go the people, I must follow them because I'm their leader, you know? And Uh this is really coming from the people. And right now, I think a leader will emerge, leaders will Mm -hmm. emerge, Mm -hmm. but right now the people are in charge, and it's beautiful. It is, it absolutely is. Great to meet you. Thanks you Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Uh, Jason Kander, how do people find you? at? I see. LetAmericaVote.org, right? That's right, yeah. LetAmericaVote.org or on Twitter at Jason Kander. That's easy enough. Thanks Thank again, you. Jason. Good Thank luck. you. Thanks for what you're doing. And the rest of the day, folks, is all yours. Uh, have a good one. I'll see you on CNN this afternoon. Come back and see this us here again tomorrow. This is
2: The Bill Press Show.